Okay, so we are now here at chapter 5 for liabilities of parties. The subject is negotiable instruments. We will start with section 60. So what is section 60? Section 60 is liability of maker. So the maker of a negotiable instrument, by making it, engages that he will pay it according to its tenor and admits the existence of the payee and his then capacity to endorse. Again, uh, here in section 60, it states that liability of maker. No, So the maker of a negotiable instrument, this is about the liability of the maker. So remember, the maker of a negotiable instrument under the negotiable instruments law is the one who created the instrument, no? Uh, the negotiable instrument, the one who signs. The maker of the negotiable instrument by making it engages that he will pay it according to its tenor. No? So, for example, in the case of a promissory note, and admits the existence of the payee and then and his then capacity to endorse. Now he has also his capacity to endorse. Classification of parties according to liability. Liability refers to the obligation of the party to a negotiable instrument to pay the same according to its terms. The parties to a negotiable instrument may be classified according to their liability as follows. First is the who is the one primarily liable? Either the maker, no uh, the maker of the promissory note and then we also have the the acceptor of the bill of exchange okay so the acceptor of the bill of exchange these are the ones that are really primarily liable and number three the certifier of the of a check okay so who are primarily liable again it's the maker of the promissory note whoever made it and then the acceptor of the bill of exchange and the certifier of check who are the ones which are secondarily liable no so the ones that are secondarily liable are the following the drawer of a bill no because the one that is uh, for the bill of particulars it is the the acceptor the bill of exchange no? who is the drawee who is who has the primary primary primarily liable this one secondarily liable is the drawer of the bill and the endorser of a note or a bill so if you are an endorser of a bill of a note or a bill you are secondarily liable and who is not liable the drawer uh, the drawee until he accepts the instrument in which case he becomes an acceptor okay so he is not liable until he accepts the instrument so it only limits you no know, at the moment that he accepts and he becomes the acceptor a person becomes a party to an instrument by signing his name thereon so he becomes a party thereon by just signing the general rule is that no person is liable on an instrument unless his signature appears thereon. Okay? So, next, primary party and secondary party distinguish. So, what is the difference between primary party and secondary party if you are to distinguish them? Okay, so under the law, the person primarily liable in the instrument is the person who by the terms of the instrument is absolutely required to pay the same. All other parties are secondarily liable. Okay, under the law, the person primarily liable in the instrument is a person who by terms of the instrument is absolutely required to pay the same. All other parties are secondarily liable. So, basically what is being told here is that those who are primarily liable uh, on the instrument is the person by the terms of the instrument is required no to pay okay so 
That's the reckoning point. If he's requires to pay, then he is primarily liable. The principal distinction between a primary liable party and a secondary liable is that while the former is unconditionally bound, the latter is conditionally bound. No, so what is also another reckoning point is that for the for the ones that are primarily liable, so primary, and then if we're going to make a table on it, secondary liable ang ang usa. Now the former, while the former is unconditionally bound the primary is unconditionally bound okay and then being a being unconditionally liable the primary party is absolutely required no so the ones in the primary uh, when you are primarily liable you are unconditionally Okay, so again, no. Um, when you say liability, you are considered liable uh, as to conditionally liable if you are someone who is uh, who requires no specific requirements in order for you to be liable. Okay, so on the other hand, the secondary party undertakes to pay the instrument only after certain conditions has been fulfilled. So these are the the conditions that has to be fulfilled due presentment. And there is due notice no, for each party and the taking of proceedings required by law after dishonor. Secondary parties are liable in the reverse order which they are which they signed the instrument. Okay, so take note of this. Generally, the liability of all secondary parties to an instrument ends when the primary party pays the full amount of the instrument to the proper party. In short, secondary parties face only potential secondary liability. On the instrument liability of the maker the maker here applies only the promissory note no remember the maker is for promissory note it includes an accommodation maker and a surety who signs as maker what is liability no Un unconditional liability the maker is undoubtedly the party primarily liable as he is the one to whom the holder will look first for payment so the one who is expected to pay he engages to pay the note according to its terms subject to no conditions whatsoever due presentment for payment are not necessary for the purpose of charging the maker with liability which is necessary however to fix the liability of the drawer or endorser he promises to pay not only the payee but also the subsequent holder who is legally entitled to the instrument at its maturity date even if the holder does not demand payment at that time he remains fully liable despite the fact that the instrument is presented for payment late until prescription has run moreover moreover he admits the existence of the payee and his then capacity at the time of signing the note to endorse. Now, the rule operates to prevent the maker from escaping liability by showing the non-existence and incapacity of the payee. The payee must exist because there is no negotiable instrument until it is delivered to him. The payee must have the capacity to contract because the note is intended to be negotiated and not to be retained with the payee. Presumption arising from a signature. The person placing his name in the face of the note is prima facie a maker, liable as such, no? and is presumed to have acted with care and to have signed the instrument in question with full knowledge of its contents. For example, M issues a promissory note to P for 500 pesos payable on demand. P endorses this to A. Upon being sued by A, M cannot say that the agreement between him and P was only 300 pesos. 
nor can he allege that P is non-existent nor fictitious person. He is also precluded from setting up such defenses as minority insanity or ultra-various act of corporation. Let's go to section 61, liability of drawer. The drawer, by drawing the instrument, admits the existence of the payee and his then capacity to endorse, and engages that on due presentment and the instrument will be accepted or paid, or both according to its tenor, and that if it be dishonored and the necessary proceedings on dishonor be duly taken, he will pay the amount thereof to the holder or to any subsequent endorser who may be compelled to pay it. But the drawer may insert in the instrument an express stipulation negative or limiting his own liability of the holder. So what is the liability of drawer? Just as the maker as a note, the drawer by merely signing his name on the bill as drawer admits the existence of payee and his then capacity to endorse the instrument at the time it was executed. Liability conditional. However, the drawer does not promise to pay the bill absolutely. He makes no warranties, but he engages to pay other certain conditions are complied with to wit. The bill, the bill is presented for acceptance or for payment as the case may be to the drawee. The bill is dishonored by non-acceptance or non-payment as the cost may be. As the case may be, the necessary proceedings of dishonor are duly taken. Such proceedings are notice of dishonor is given to the drawer subject to certain exceptions. In case of foreign bills, protest is made followed by notice of protest. Number two, liability of general endorser. The drawer therefore is only secondarily liable to the holder or to any subsequent endorser who may be compelled with it to pay it. His liabilities are conditional in the same manner as liabilities of a general endorser. The phrase to any subsequent endorser refers to any of the endorsers between the drawer and the holder. They may also be called an intervening endorsers. Notice that the drawer may by express stipulation inserted in the instrument negative or limit his own liability to the holder. Number three, liability of a drawer of a check. The drawer may not unilaterally discharge himself from liability on checks issued by him merely as security and not for value to a pay who negotiated at the same without his knowledge and consent to a holder in due course. By the mere expediency or withdrawing his funds from the drawing bank by issuing a check, the drawer impliedly represents that funds of credit are available for its payment in the drawing bank. The drawer can still be made liable under a separate contract distinct from the instrument. <clears throat> Thus, in a case where the drawer also executed a separate letter of undertaking in consideration for the bank's negotiation of its site drafts, the drawer can still be made liable under the letter by undertaking even if he is discharged due to the bank's failure to protest and non-acceptance of the drafts, where he promised to pay on demand the full amount of the drafts. The liability under the letter of undertaking is direct and primary and independent from that under the site drafts, which subsist even if they are dishonored for non-acceptance or non-payment. There is a slight difference between the liability of the drawer of a check and that of the drawer of other bills of exchange. Suppose R, a drawer draws a bill in W, payable to order P, the, the bill is endorsed successively by P to A to A to B and B to C in the present holder. In this case, R is liable only to C. If W dishonors the bill by non-acceptance or non-payment or necessary proceedings of dishonor are taken, if such proceedings are taken, the endorser P and A and B would also be liable to C. If C, B endorses, pays C, B on return, recover from R, P, or A, P 
P, A, and B are the intervening endorsers. No? R, as a drawer, is permitted by law to a negative or limit his own liability to the holder. So, meaning, R, as the draw, uh, as the acceptor, no? or the ones that is ordered to pay to another person, may insert to the bill the words, I shall not be bound in the case the instrument is dishonored without... I mean, the drawer no, can actually um, write that down there. The drawer distinguished from the maker. The following are the differences. The drawer issues a bill of exchange while the maker a promissory note. A drawer is only secondarily liable while the maker is primarily liable. The drawer can... Uh, can negative or limit his liability while the maker may not do so. So these are the differences between the drawer and the maker. Liability of the acceptor. The acceptor, by accepting the instrument, engages that he will pay it according to the tenor of his acceptance. So take note the words of the law according to the tenor of his acceptance and admits the existence of the drawer, the genuineness of his signature, and his capacity and authority to draw the instrument, and the existence of the payee and his then capacity to endorse. So what is the liability of the acceptor? Number one, liability of the drawee from before acceptance. So already pointed out the drawee the bill is liable there on before acceptance. Wala shay, wala pa siya responsibility during the time. But during after acceptance, once the drawee accepts, he becomes an acceptor. He is virtually the same position as the maker of the note. So it's similar with the maker of the note, a promissory note. The acceptor is primarily bound in the instrument based acceptance. He engages to pay it according to the terms of acceptance. But uh, the other one, kanang before the acceptance, he may be uh, liable as to the contract because there could be a breach of contract between them. The bank, uh, on the other hand, for drawing for after acceptance, na the bank of which the the check is drawn is under uh, strict liability based on the contract between the bank and its customer to pay the check only to the pay's order. The drawer's instructions are reflected in the face by the terms of the check. Otherwise, the bank violates its duty to charge the drawer's account only for properly payable items and shall be liable for the amount charged to the drawer's bank. Retraction of acceptance. Now, the bill of exchange itself implies a representation of the drawer that the drawer is already in receipt of the funds to pay and acceptance makes the drawer primarily liable. The drawer who has accepted cannot retract this admission as against the holder of for value. PNC has thereby obtained the suspension of the holder's remedies against the drawer, extension of credit. No? So, payment of check despite stop payment order. If the drawee bank accepts a payment despite a stop order from the drawee no, to oversight or otherwise, he cannot refuse to pay the holder or recover what has been paid. Neither may it debit, debit the drawer's account unless the acceptance nor payment was made prior to the receipt of the order. Similarly, similarity of the liability of the maker and the drawer. The acceptor has the same liability as the maker of a promissory note and the drawer of the bill with respect to the existence of the pay and its capacity to endorse. So like the maker, neither the presentment for payment nor notice of dishonor is necessary to charge him with liability except where he is an acceptor for honor. Liability depends on the tenor of acceptance. In general, no one but the drawing may accept. A stranger or volunteer is not bound by acceptance. The exception is when a bill is accepted for honor. No? It is to be noted that while the maker of the note or the drawer of the bill engages to pay according to the tenor of the instrument, the acceptor engages to pay according to the tenor of his acceptance, which is not the same as the tenor of the bill itself because the acceptance may be qualified. Of course, if his acceptance is general or absolute, then he is liable to pay according to the tenor of his acceptance 
which incidentally is also the tenor of the bill itself. The nature of acceptance is important only in the determination of the kind of liabilities the parties involved, but not in the determination of whether a commercial paper bill is a bill of exchange or not. As long as a commercial paper conforms with the definition of bill of exchange, that paper is considered a bill of exchange. Now, for example, if R draws on W a bill payable for 30 days after site, W not being a part of the bill may refuse to accept the same. If he accepts, he becomes primarily liable, but his liability depends on the kind of acceptance he makes. Thus, if W accepts the bill for 200 pesos, he is liable only for 200 pesos. The tenor of his acceptance is not a 500 peso, the tenor of the bill. Similarly, if he accepts the bill but payable 90 days after the site, he is bound to pay the bill as accepted. If he merely signs the bill as acceptor, then he is bound to pay unconditionally the bill according to his tenor and is the same as the tenor of his acceptance. Effects of acceptance of an altered, altered bill Suppose a bill is altered without authority by the pay before acceptance and is subsequently accepted by the acceptor as altered. Is the latter liable to an innocent holder according to the original tenor of the bill according to the altered tenor? In other words, is the altered tenor of the bill the tenor of acceptance? For instance, if a bill originally for 3000 is altered by P, the payee, the 8000 and is accepted by W, the acceptor for 8000 how much is W liable to A, a holder in due course, for 3000 or for 8000 Before the adoption of the Uniform Negotiable Instruments Law, the common law rule was that an acceptor was liable according to the tenor of the bill. Since the adoption of the Negotiable Instruments Law, writers and authorities of law on negotiable instruments have, have differed in their views as to the effect of Section 2 in the altar. So there are two kinds here, the tenor of acceptance view wherein uh, you are to really go ahead and accept the accept the tenor of uh, your your own no acceptance. But um, the original tenor of bill view is that it all depends on the original tenor of the bill. So it's a more logical warranties of the acceptor. So the The acceptor of warranties of the acceptor. The acceptor, by signing the bill as such, warrants the existence of the payee and his then capacity to endorse. In addition, he also admits the existence of the drawer, the genuineness, the genuineness, the genuine, genuineness of his signature, and his capacity and authority to draw the bill. Defenses precluded. The acceptor is consequently precluded from asserting uh, as a defense. The drawer is fictitious or non-existence or that the drawer's signature is a forgery or that he has no funds in his hands belonging to the drawer with which to pay the bill or that the drawer has overdrawn his account or that the drawer has no capacity to contract or has no authority to draw a bill. By accepting unconditionally a bill, the drawer becomes liable to a holder and he cannot allege want or failure of consideration between him and the drawer. The holder is a stranger as regards the transaction between the drawer and the drawee. Matters not admitted. The acceptor does not accept the genuineness of the endorser signature. No, because it is only the signature of the drawer that he warrants. Although the purported endorsement was the bill that it was accepted, an acceptor is only held to the knowledge of the signature of the drawer. By accepting the bill, he only admits the genuineness of such signature and cannot be charged with knowledge one genuine any other part of the instrument. 
right so we'll proceed now to payment of acceptance in the next part thank you everyone
Okay, so we're going to resume again for liabilities of uh, parties and we will start with section 62 warranties of the acceptor. The acceptor by signing the bill as much as such warrants the exist existence of the pay and his then capacity to endorse. So what does that mean? The acceptor by signing the bill, no, so if you are the acceptor, the acceptor and you sign the bill, uh, as such warrants you actually warrant the existence of the payee and his then capacity to endorse so, um, the payee is now capacitated to endorse in addition he also admits of the existence of the drawer so you also admit of the existence of the drawer who actually crafted the the instrument the genuineness of his signature and his capacity and authority to draw the bill so that includes his signature and his authority now signature and then authority so what are the defenses precluded? The acceptor is consequently precluded from asserting as a defense that the drawer is fictitious or non-existent or that the drawer's signature is a forgery or that he has no funds in his hands belonging to the drawer with which to pay the bill or that the drawer has overdrawn his account. No, so these are the defenses that are not allowed. No, The acceptor is consequently precluded from asserting as a defense that number one, no, that the drawer is fictitious or non-existent no? or the drawer signature is a forgery or not allowed to do that or that he has funds in his hands or belonging to the drawer with which to pay the bill or that the drawer has overdrawn his account for instance there is uh, only a few amount of money there so the drawer could not uh, you cannot say that he actually has less no money there or the drawer has no capacity to contract or has no authority to draw the bill. By accepting unconditionally a bill, a drawee becomes liable to a holder and he cannot allege want or failure of consideration between him and the, and the drawer. So, the holder is a stranger as regards to the transaction between the drawer and the drawee. Okay, so remember that. So, he has to be given that right to be able to be at peace, no? to know that it is something that you could not question. So matters not admitted. The acceptor does not admit the genuineness of the endorser's signature. Okay? So the acceptor does not admit the genu genuineness of the endorser's signature because it is only the signature of the drawer that he warrants, although the purported endorsement was on the bill at the time it was accepted. An acceptor is only held to a knowledge of the signature of the drawer by accepting a bill. He only admits the genuineness of such signature and cannot be charged with knowledge of the want of genuineness of other part of the instrument or of the title of the holder. Okay, so once again, we're in part two of negotiable instrument for liabilities of parties. We will now proceed to payment with acceptance. So what is payment uh, without acceptance? Again, take note, it is payment without acceptance. You, you pay without even accepting for purposes of the rule payment by the drawee may not be considered as equivalent of acceptance there is a distinction between payment and acceptance no so you have to distinguish the two of them payment is not the same okay with acceptance the latter is a promise to perform an act okay so acceptance is actually a promise acceptance is a promise to perform an act Okay, whereas the former is the actual performance thereof. Okay, 
So, in the words of the law, the acceptance of the bill is the signification of the drawing, of his assent to order of the drawer. It's like you say, okay, you are allowed to order. But acceptance is not required for checks, no? for the same are payable on demand. Okay, But take note, but acceptance is not required for checks, for the same are payable on demand. The truth is that payment of the amount of bill of a bill check by the drawee implies not only acceptance but also compliance with the drawee's obligation. So it's already implied. Indeed, payment amounts to more than, than an acceptance for the second is an obligation to pay. The first, a discharge of the indebtedness. No, the first implies not only the drawee's assent to the order of the drawer but also an admission of his corresponding obligation to pay the instrument and his clear compliance with that obligation. The rule holding that such payment has all the efficacy of acceptance is found upon the principle that the greater that the greater include the less. No, so what is the rule here? The rule holding that such payment has all the efficacy of an acceptance is founded in the principle of what is the principle that the greater includes the less. No, so you have the greater there. So automatically you know that there was acceptance. No, which is now the the greater act, the payment itself is uh, an implication that there was already acceptance. The payment of the check includes its acceptance. It has been held that the acceptance of the drawing may be implied. No? So it's already implied. Uh, illustrative case. No? A drawing bank requested the industry who was asking payment of a check to furnish it with a photostatic copies thereof and present the check for certification. So facts are, yeah, in province of Samar issued a check to P. A postmaster of Burungan Samar for the sum of 25,000 pesos drawn against Cebu branch of W. No, So the, the drawing here is W. So P negotiated the check to A. So P here uh, negotiated the check to A. Who represented the check to the municipal treasurer. So A presented it to the municipal treasurer of Burungan for payment. But the latter did not choose to pay the same. The letters of A to the Bureau of Post seeking payment were referred to the to its director to W, so which is the bank. The drawee which requested the Bureau to post and furnish it with photostatic copies of the check with copies duly received, and A to present the check to the provincial treasurer and provincial auditor of R for certification in accordance with the circular issued by the Secretary of Finance. Before the check could be certified as being in order, R withdraw its deposit with W, thereby leaving a small balance insufficient to cover the amount of the check. Hala! So what will happen? No, uh, There will be not enough money. So A transferred his rights to B. So A, uh, so A transferred his rights to B, who was unable to cash it. Okay, Was there an implied acceptance by W? Okay, the answer is yes. In requesting the photostatic copies of the check in question, requiring A to present and check for certification, W voluntarily assumed the obligation of holding so much of the deposit so that it would be sufficient to cover the amount of the check. Or before allowing the withdrawal that exhausted said deposit or making the necessary inquiry on the matter, an implied acceptance of the check by W was thereby created. The request of the Bureau of Post and the requirement imposed by A on W would be an empty gesture if W did not thereby mean to assume the obligation of paying the check and holding sufficient deposit for R for that purpose. However, such obligation is merely subsidiary, R being primarily liable, no? So to pay the same. No. Uh, 
No, under the facts of the case, no obligation was created on the part of W to pay the amount of the check to hold W liable. The original check must have been presented to W for payment. W would have refused to honor or cash it. The subsequent withdrawal of R of its deposit no, could not be prevented by W if it had refused. It might be held responsible for the damages for refusing to allow the withdrawal. The only party liable for the payment of check is R. No, W should be held free from any liability primarily or subsidiarily. So this is according to Justice Espadilla, which is a dissenting opinion in this case. But here, uh, the answer in general is yes. No, So that could be subjected to possible uh, a debate or a change of a decision in the Supreme Court because there was a dissenting opinion. Okay, let's proceed to now to section 63. When a person deemed endorser, a person placing his signature upon an instrument. Okay, so what are we talking about here? We are talking about... When a person deemed endorser, when do you consider an endorser? Uh, when do you consider a person an endorser? A person placing his signature upon an instrument, otherwise than as a maker or a drawer or acceptor, is then deemed to be endorser, unless he clearly indicates by appropriate words his intention to be bound in some other capacity. So, as we can all see here, there these are only the parties of a possible negotiable instrument. So, if you are not named, then you are deemed an endorser. So, if you're not the maker, if you're not the drawer, you're not the acceptor, automatically you're the endorser. When the person deemed an endorser, a person signing his name on the back of the instrument, nothing else appearing, a general endorser, and liable as such. Being an endorser is chargeable only after the presentment and the notice of this dishonor. Parole evidence inadmissible. Now, the law absolutely fixes the status of the endorser. It does not merely raise a presumption that it is such. So, one who signs an endorser cannot show by parole evidence his intention to be bound in some other capacity. For example, that he is signed merely as an agent for the purpose only of identifying the person of the instrument. The law requires, no, he cannot make an excuse that I am only the agent, though you are already deemed the endorser. The law requires that he indicates by appropriate words his intention to be bound in some other capacity of the instrument itself. The reason for the rule, the rule is founded upon a commercial necessity. The full and free circulation of negotiable papers which take the place of money is a greater is a matter of great importance. To require each assignee before accepting the accepting them therein, them to inquire into and investigate every circumstance bearing upon the original issuance and to take cognizance of all the equities between the original parties would utterly destroy their commercial value. So if we will just allow them to 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 make a clear um, stipulation of whatever uh, part or role that they will play on the instrument, then it will defeat the importance of of the negotiable instrument. No? So it has to be something implied already and understood as something of regularity in every transaction. So when a person liable as a guarantor of surety, when is a person liable as guarantor or surety? So a while ago, we we already talked about when do you de when you when do you consider a person deemed endorser, okay? So how about when a person liable as guarantor or surety, liability as guarantor? Accordingly, a person who writes in addition to his signature in the back of the instrument, I hereby guarantee payment of this instrument or payment guaranteed, or their equivalent indicates his intention intention to be bound as guarantor. 
in which case he is not discharged from liability merely because of the lack of due presentment or due notice of dishonor. He waives the need for presentment, protest, or notice of dishonor. Unlike, however, an endorser, a guarantor, is liable only subsidiarily after the assets of the principal debtor has been exhausted. Okay, so unlike the endorser, the a guarantor is liable only subsidiarily after the assets of the principal debtor has been exhausted. So if you're a guarantor, then uh, the principal is still the first one who will be uh, asked to pay. No, So the principal is still the one. If you are subsidiarily liable, it means that after they have exhausted all means to utilize all the resources from the principal, then they can go to you. No, So just praying that they won't go to you anymore. Liability assurity. Also, a person who writes his name on the back of the instrument followed with the words assurity. Now, show, shows by added words his intention to be pound, bound assurity rather than an endorser. Assurity, he is primarily and absolutely liable with the principal debtor without benefit of exhaustion of the properties of the latter. So if you are, so we can see here the difference between a guarantor or a surety. The surety is subsidiarily liable. Well, on the other hand, the debtor, ano, the surety is principally liable and you are considered now the principal debtor uh, without all the necessity of presentment or notice of dishonor. Signature made by identification only. A party is liable only as guarantor and not as an endorser if his endorsement is made for identification only. Okay? So engagement of guarantor. Under the Uniform Commercial Code, a guarantor may design an instrument either payment guaranteed or collection guaranteed. So when a guarantor signs an instrument, payment guaranteed in equivalent words, the signer engages that if the instrument is not paid, when due, he will pay it according to its tenor even if the party entitled to payment has not attempted to collect or offer the pro from the party liable for it. On the other hand, when he signs collection guaranteed or equivalent words, the signer engages that if the instrument is not paid, when due, he will pay it according to its tenor but only after the party entitled to the payment has tried to collect from the party liable for it. No, had tried to collect from the party liable for it and has been unable to do so and so it is apparent that it is useless to proceed against him. No? So, basically, collection guaranteed is for a guarantor. Okay, and then when a guarantor signs an instrument payment guaranteed equivalent to the word, the signer enga engages that if the instrument is not paid, when due, he will pay it according to its tenor, even if the party entitled to pay has not attempted to collect. No? So, engagement of the guarantor under the Uniform Commercial Code. A guarantor may sign an instrument, either payment guaranteed or collection guaranteed. So, there are two options here. 